0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Logan Blackman Show—the best show you've never listened to. I am sorry. I am so very sorry for not doing a show on Friday. Yes, I am very, very apologetic, and I'm gonna do the whole crying thing. I apologize. I didn't mean to miss a show. It was not the—it was not the plan. It just didn't happen. We didn't release the rankings, even though I put out a tweet that literally said. Sorry, no show today, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing, of course. No show today, but the rankings for the defense preseason defensive player, what, prospect rankings for the upcoming draft will be out Friday. Well, guess what, Logan? Uh, we, we didn't outdo it anything on Friday. We didn't, did we? No, we, didn't, we did not. We did not. We did not. Man, Thursday, let's just put it like this. Thursday night sucked, and not for any like real reason, other than the fact that I had a headache. That was it. It wasn't like anything emotional or anything traumatic. I just, my head hurt a little too bad. So I couldn't do a show. It was just enough to where it didn't ruin my day, but it was enough to go, I don't want to do anything for the rest of the evening. It was my mom's birthday on Thursday. So happy birthday. i said it to her on the day and I said it to her, Afterwards as well on the 6th, or yeah, the 6th, we threw a surprise party. I said happy birthday and all those things then. a happy birthday again. Because I didn't do that on a Wednesday, if I remember correctly. But we went at, we we went to go meet up with some friends of theirs. And I was just going to stop in for about 10, 15 minutes, say hi, how you doing, and leave. And that's what I did. That was the plan. But the rest of the night was to go, okay, Logan, st- strategize here. We're going to go to this place. Okay? Checked. Got it. Checked off. We did it. Good job. We're one for three so far. Step two, we're going to watch the Hall of Fame game. Did not do that either because as I was getting, as kickoff was approaching, and I know it's football. Well, it's football. Football is the biggest sport in America. And we'll talk about the Hall of Fame in a little bit because that happened tonight or Saturday and Sunday night. The Hall of Fame class of 2020 and 21 were inducted. And there were some players that I was very happy to see get in. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But football in America, and you can make the arguments for baseball because it's quote-unquote America's pastime. Basketball is very popular as well. But football is the biggest sport in America, un- undoubtedly. And the NFL is the biggest sports league in the world. I'm not saying, like, football is not the biggest sport in the world. But if we're talking about it from a marketing standpoint, from a viewership standpoint, for the amount of money they make. The NFL is the biggest league in the world. It's bigger than the Premier League. Because I know when you people talk about soccer, you go over the grand scheme of soccer. The Premier League is nowhere as big as the NFL. It's watched, but it doesn't create that much, as much as the NFL. You got La Liga. You got Serie A. You got all these things. The NFL is the biggest league in the world. But I just didn't give a shit. I found out as I got closer to kickoff, I hate both teams involved, <laughs> and I'm not really a huge fan of preseason football in general, unless it involves like a big name player, a big name rookie coming in. Like I sat down and watched Josh Allen's rookie debut, his preseason game against Carolina Panthers. My dad and I went over to a friend's house in the Des Moines Bills backers watched the game. I rocked a Josh Allen jersey. I've had my Josh Allen jersey the since the month after the draft, when they started selling the rookie jerseys, which I, I don't know remember exactly when it was when they started selling them, but I kept toying with the idea of getting it. So if Josh Allen flopped, that was going to be a terrible purchase, because that's $100. Jerseys are not cheap. Jerseys are not cheap whatsoever, and if you've ever bought a jersey, you know it's a very big commitment. This player, you have to think, is going to stay there for a long period of time, or is at least going to be good. And if he's not stay there for a long period of time or he's not that good at least he's liked by the fans like the bills they have nathan peterman you have jp lossman terrible quarterbacks terrible for the standard of what they are doing because on the grand scheme of things they're probably they're really good quarterbacks not in the nfl to that standard they're not but that doesn't mean that they weren't good quarterbacks at one point they were gonna have to get drafted hell J, J nathan peterman's still in the nfl I don't know how, but he's still playing. He's on the Raiders still. Don't don't know how that happened. But you just expect certain things when you buy a jersey because it's a big commitment. Okay? This player has to be a success. And Josh Allen, rightly or wrongly, after the draft was seen as a project, that no one really knew where he would end up. The range for Josh Allen's success was below the floor like deep into the core of the earth and his ceiling was up towards the heavens that was what it was such a wide range of potential there similarly to Trey Lance we don't know what Trey Lance is going to be potentially he could be the best quarterback in this class I've said that probably a thousand times on this show that Trey Lance has the potential to be better than Trevor Lawrence I've said that a ton which is why the 49ers drafted him third overall because that potential is there. And it is real. Josh Allen was the same exact thing. Which is why he was drafted before Josh Rosen. And look how well that turned out. <laughs> Josh Ro- Rosen turned out to be a, a grade A tool bag. And Josh Allen just signed the second biggest contract in the NFL. Good freaking lord. And I know people are going to go, Oh, he doesn't deserve oh, so much money in sports. Whatever you think about it. Whatever your opinions about the sport and the money involved in it. And whatever. Dude got paid. And he got paid how the rest of the market is. And I saw a tweet... When was this? This was a couple days ago when the NBA... Like, the free agent frenzy was going on with all the NBA players. Because all their contracts are guaranteed. NBA and NHL, contracts are all guaranteed. Or NBA and MLB, contracts are all guaranteed. So you have players... Just an example. Lonzo Ball signing with the Bulls for... I think it was four-year, $85 million. or Something like that. All guaranteed. And I saw a tweet that said... I don't care if people say these guys are overpaid because it is, your value is what the market allows. That's like transfer values. It's not how valuable the player is. It's either a how valuable the team views him that he's currently on and how valuable the transfer was when he first got in because the team's going to want to make at least some profit. You don't want to take a giant chunk out of the transfer fee you just paid for, dude, and he hasn't lived up the potential that you thought he had. Josh Allen got paid as the market allows. Josh Allen is a very young, very talented quarterback. And whether you think of the money or not, this dude worked his ass off to get where he is right now. And that's why I love Josh Allen. I, I, my, my roommate, Andrew, ex-roommate, I guess, so I don't live in that house anymore, he's a big Packers fan. Every chance I get, I throw a little jab in there that Aaron Rodgers is not my MVP. Josh Allen's my MVP. Always has been, always will be. He has, what, eight more votes? all-time than Russell Wilson and doubled the amount of votes that Patrick Mahomes got this year. He had eight votes (laughs) for the MVP. But I would like to remind Packers fans this, or tell Packers fans, or ask whatever you want to say. How many brands of cereal does Aaron Rodgers have? Because Josh Allen, you know, uh, is due in line for his second cereal. I have one in front of me. Yeah. How many defenders has Aaron Rodgers hurdled? Because the the defender Josh Allen hurdled is the one that changed the rough and the passer rule in the NFL because it hurt little Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. Okay? Who's bigger? Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers? Josh Allen. Without a second, not even a question. Does Aaron Rodgers have his own seltzer? Labatt Blue created a QB1 seltzer for Josh Allen. And yeah, you, then you come back with this. There's Josh Allen had one of the best seasons in NFL history, and that is... Not biased at all. That is fact. He had one of the best seasons in the NFL history. You can the facts back that up. But Rogers just threw what fifty touchdowns, less total yards than Josh. But yeah, it was going to be hard for Josh to win the MVP. Any other year, he would have won it. Aaron Rodgers had a good year, but all those points I just made, and you still say Aaron Rodgers your MVP. You're stupid. And that's how I'm gonna end that point. You're stupid. Come back from that. You can't get lawyered, freaking loser. Yeah, get pwned. But if you look at Josh Allen's contract, six years, two fifty-eight. That's million. One fifty million guaranteed. And every single per I've not heard. I know there's obviously gonna be some negative comments out there, but I've not heard yet. A single person or seen a single comment that is negative towards that contract. John Feliciano, who is the Bills' starting guard, he's rotated between left and right guard, sometimes plays at center when Mitch Morse is inevitably hurt. Because it happens every year. And there, him and Josh are extremely close. He said when he saw it, the tweet about it, he said he started tearing up because of the road Josh Allen took to get to this point in the NFL. Went to Reedley High School sent out a crap ton of emails to coaches saying, "Hey, my name's Josh Allen. I'm six five two ten. I go to Reedley High School. Or Fire No Reedley was the community college. Reed, Fireball is where he's from. He went to Fireball. Didn't have any D1 offers. Went to Reedley Community College. Sent out a bunch of scholarships. Just scholarships. A bunch of emails. Didn't get any back." The only one he heard from was Wyoming, Greg Bull, who was former coach at North Dakota State. Coach Carson Wentz saw a similar ability in Josh Allen. Josh Allen went there, and in college, his biggest achievement in college was famous Idaho Potato Bowl MVP. He was a third-team Mountain West selection. This dude was never supposed to be where he is now. But somehow he managed to do it. I drafted 7th overall. The Bills took a giant chance on him. Going into the draft, I'm not afraid to admit this, I wanted Baker Mayfield. My dad wanted Baker Mayfield. I would say most Bills fans wanted Baker Mayfield. Before the draft started, Sam Darnold was the quarterback getting linked with the Bills. Because there were some reports saying Josh Roseman was going to go to the Jets, Baker was still going to go number 1, Sam to the Bills. That was what the links were. Obviously it didn't work out like that. Baker went 1, Sam went 2, or 3 second quarterback Josh went seven and then it was between Allen and the other Josh named Rosen sadly for Lamar he wasn't in this conversation even though he's the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history back in 2018 he wasn't in the conversation of the top four quarterbacks in the draft to most people and my dad wanted Josh Rosen I have a video (laughs) on my phone I love bringing it up with my dad of him getting upset when they drafted Josh Allen but as To his credit, as the week went on after they drafted Josh Allen, he got progressively happier about drafting Josh because of the interviews he did, all the press conferences that he did. You could tell he had a good head on his shoulders, and he wanted to prove people wrong. And then you have idiots, you know, you have idiots everywhere and this kind of stuff, like Bomani Jones being a main one of not being a very smart person. And, yeah, Josh has proved him wrong. He's proved a lot of people wrong. And this was a cool thing that I saw. It was from Brian Dable. I don't remember who tweeted. I, took a, I saved the picture. It was a quote thing. An example of how coaches are delivering that message. Offensive coordinator Brian Dable, he's the Bills offensive coordinator, for those of you unaware, in a meeting early in camp, asked every offensive player and coach to stand up. Quote, if, you, if you're a coach and you've ever been fired, sit down, Dable said. And every coach in the room sat down. Okay, Dable continued. If you're a player and you've, and you've ever been cut or traded, sit down. Large group of players sat down. If you weren't picked in the first round, sit down, Dable said. And suddenly, the only person in the room left standing was Josh Allen, which is kind of crazy to think about the Bills starting offense. Josh Allen is the only first rounder on that offense, starter-wise. And even if you go in the deep, deep section, no first rounders. Look at the big guys, Stephon Diggs, the fourth or fifth rounder. Colby Easley was, I think, a seventh rounder. Zach Moss and Devon Singletary, third rounders. Spencer Brown, third rounder. Deion Dawkins, second round. Mitch Moore, second round. Feliciano, I think sixth round. They weren't expected to be where they are. And Josh Allen's the only first round quarterback. on the, like Mitch Trubisky, but he was cut or traded from the Bears. And then he, Dable said, Josh, how many scholarship offers did you have at a high school? Josh said, none. And then Dable replied, all right. Let's remember where we came from. And that's the whole thing Buffalo's trying to do, which is why I don't like how this quote came out. Trying to keep Brian a secret so people don't hire him. How the hell did he not get hired this offseason? I mean, I'm grateful for him not getting hired this offseason to be a head coach, but... (laughs) That quote right there, Josh had no scholarships at a high school. Went to a community college. His biggest achievement at Wyoming was... Idaho Potato Bowl MVP, and now he's the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL right behind Patrick Mahomes. And if you look at the biggest co- contracts in the NFL, so Josh Allen right now, so Patrick Mahomes is making forty five million a year, Josh Allen's 43, then got Dak at 40, Deshaun Watson at 39, and then Russell Wilson at 5th at 35. So those are five, I think most people can agree, very, very talented quarterbacks. Very good quarterbacks. And then as you get a little lower, like Aaron Rodgers, 33.5. And then you get into the questionable territory of, man, market kind of screwed us here. <laughs> Jared Goff, 33.5. Same as Aaron Rodgers. Jared Goff and Aaron Rodgers. I think Jared Goff is very talented. Very talented. He can make a lot of throws that not a lot of quarterbacks the NFL can even think about making. But I don't know how much... I- Sean McVay called a lot of that offense. I don't know if there's a lot of audibles, because from some of the mic'd up stuff I've seen, Sean McVay even called the audibles. So I don't know how much upstairs Goff is, but that's not beside the point. I'm not going to try and belittle his intelligence or anything, or try to. Kirk Cousins is number eight. Then we got Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Stafford's the next quarterback, then Derek Carr, Tom Brady... And that rounds out the quarterbacks that would be listed in this top 20. Now, you've also got some position players in there like DeAndre Hopkins, Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett, Khalil Mack, and Trent Williams. And I'm pretty sure, well, 21, I'm pretty confident it's David Bakhtiari from the Packers because Trent Williams got $1, 100,000 more than David Bakhtiari whatever. But, yeah, looking back at that preseason game, when I sat there watching him against the Carolina Panthers, where his first play of the game, he overthrew Robert Foster – which is ridiculous to think Robert Foster, after that, was the Bills' number one wide receiver. Shows how far the Bills' offense has come along and getting actual pieces and not basically playing a circus with Kelvin Benjamin as the number one wide receiver and Zay Jones as the number two. Then Robert Foster as the number three. Notice how none of those players play on their current rosters. If you name the Bills starting off the line, Deion Dawkins at left tackle, that John Miller... You had Russell Bodine, Ryan Groy was also a center there, Jordan Mills, or did I mention Jordan Mills already, John Miller was another one, just a terrible team, terrible, and people were surprised that Josh Allen's rookie year was not mind-boggling, but you could see things that he did. I was like, wow, this is awesome. You see the potential. Some of the massive runs he did. Some of the cannon throws he would make. The throw against the Jacksonville Jaguars. His rookie year. You can look it up. To Robert Foster. He ran a post route. Josh Allen's getting hit from all sides. Throws a dime to Robert Foster. In stride. Touchdown, Bills. Bills beat the Jaguars. That was his game. The Jalen he said Josh Allen's tried his first time they met. Josh Allen's first game since coming off an elbow injury that he had against the Texans. And yeah. Now he's the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I think Jalen Ramsey, just going off a little thing on Jalen Ramsey. I think Jalen Ramsey is a very, 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 very good corner. One of the best, if not the best corner in the NFL. He is not a good trash talker. No matter how much he wants to be, he's not. I think there's a little bit of him that wants to be Deion Sanders, but it just doesn't work. Like you can't go bashing somebody, and then when they bash you back, go on Twitter and then post some Bible verse like you're the, oh now I'm better, I'm the better person here because I post the Bible verse. That doesn't mean squat. You can be a Christian still be an asshole. Those two things do exist, and Jalen Ramsey is one of them. Like you can't go on somebody. J. He trashed. He yelled at Golden Tate. I could be getting the story a little bit wrong. But I believe Jalen Ramsey was dating Golden Tate's sister, got her pregnant, and then dumped her. If I remember right, I could be wrong on that. And then goes on Twitter and posts a Bible verse. Why? doesn't make you better than anybody. I hate when people do that. Like, oh, we got in a fight? Well, I'm going to be the one posting a Bible verse to make me look like the better person. I'm bigger than all of this. I'm a good person. Except for all the other times I've not been good. Like when I called out every single quarterback in the NFL and was wrong on pretty much all of them. The biggest one being Josh Allen. He even got the teams he played wrong. Said he lost to Iowa State, which he didn't. He got brutalized against Iowa, two to totally different schools. Ah. Now all of this comes from being a Bills fan as well. I don't want to take anything away from Jalen Ramsey's talent. I just think he sucks as a trash talker. And I hate when people try to take the moral high ground like that. Oh, I was being a complete asshole, but now that I post the Bible verse, I'm the good person. I hate that. It's one of the most annoying things in the world. I hate when people do that. Because, oh, well, he's right with God. Only God can judge me. Which is true. But, come on. We're not doing that. And God's judging pretty hard right now. (laughs) That was a great thing you did there. Oh, my God. But back to the original thing, preseason football sucks. <laughs> that's that's the overarching theme here. Preseason football sucks unless you got a rookie quarterback. Then it's somewhat enjoyable. Josh Allen got thrusted into the starting job week one because Nathan Peterman sucks ass relatively. Again, remember, he's in the NFL. Sucks relatively to the level he's playing at. But could be a very good high school quarterback. <laughs> ah man, it is funny seeing all the Nathan Peterman jerseys around Buffalo. I have a J.P. Lossman jersey. Not because was he because because he was good. No, no, not at all. Now, if I'm being ironic or trying to be like funny, which I try to be sometimes, is J.P. Lossman was the best quarterback of the 2004 draft class. <laughs> he got Eli, Big Ben, and Phillip Rivers, and the J.P. Lossman. All four of them drafted in the first round. J.P. Lossman's the best. Yeah, that's my opinion. My opinion can't be wrong. Only God can judge me. You can't judge me off my opinion like that. post verse. Ah, man. Preseason football sucks. And I was not surprised at all that Dak and Big Ben didn't play. You had Gucci Danucci, And who was the other quarterback that played? Dwayne Haskins for the Steelers. Which I hope Dwayne Haskins gets a chance in Pittsburgh, but... After seeing what we saw in Washington, I think Mike Tomlin, and that, Mike Tomlin is that type of coach that you want somewhat of an immature quarterback to go to. Very no-nonsense coach. I think that'd be perfect environment for Dwayne Haskins, but I don't know. My gut tells me they'll draft a quarterback this year, and we'll get to the draft later because of not doing a show on Friday and because I didn't actually release the player rankings on Friday like I promised I would. We're going to do the player rankings today. Okay? we to do the draft Wednesday. Everything got pushed back a little bit because Logan doesn't know how to schedule things properly. Even though he... I, I did do well during the actual draft. I did very well. I'd post the draft every single Monday. Every single... Every other Monday. I was very good at that. But now that uh, you know, it's not draft time, college football hasn't started, it's kind of just writing lists in whatever order, pretty much. Like, this list can be completely different. Like, two years ago... Joe Burrow was drafted number one overall. How many preseason draft lists were there that had Joe Burrow number one overall? None of them. And Joe Burrow put together the greatest season any quarterback's ever had in college football history. Don't even try to comment on that. Try to argue against that. I've seen a lot of Heisman season rankings lists. If we're just going to Heisman seasons, Joe Burrow is hands down the best. He won it by the widest margin of victory any Heisman winner's... Just ever. Ever. Widest margin of victory in Heisman voting history. Greatest season ever. Broke almost every single record. Won a national championship. The first number one overall seed to win a college football playoff. Now it's out of four teams, but it's still the first number one overall seed to win a tournament like that. Balled out. I'm excited to see what he does this year. He got Jamar Chase. The Bengals improved their offensive line. I know it's not to the standard of what people were expecting because people wanted them to draft Panay Sewell... Acting like they didn't improve the offensive line. Jamar Chase is a freaking beast. Okay? People talk about how great Justin Jefferson is, and I'm not going to take anything away from Justin Jefferson because he is a great wide receiver. Jamar Chase is better than Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson's a freaking baller. So, what does that say about Jamar Chase? It's not really a thing bashing Justin Jefferson, it's more of a thing lifting up Jamar Chase, which is what I try to do. I don't want to go, this guy sucks. But if I say someone's better, I'm trying to twist that a little bit to make me sound like, you know, same thing as Jalen. Like, I'm not saying you're terrible, but I'm saying you're worse than somebody. <laughs> it's the same thing, like I say, what there's no wrong, wrong choice, but there's a the right one. Might not make sense, but I, tr- I try to explain myself, okay? Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, man, preseason football sucks ass. I ju- it just keeps going in my head like that. Show Cubs, random, but they suck tonight too. So excited. It's like the 31-year anniversary of the first time that the Cubs had lights at Wrigley Field, their first night game at Wrigley Field. And uh, first pitch of the game, Tim Anderson, who wasn't starting five hours before the game. Jack's a first pitch dinger. Awesome. (laughs) Three dingers the first inning. Unsurprisingly, Zach Davies gets chased pretty quick right after the second inning oh man lost pretty pretty surprising loss there man but they're not in a worse place they're in a better place than what they were in 2012 when they were very very bad this team has pieces Wilson Contreras Patrick Wisdom Nico Horner Nick Madrigal whenever Nico and Nick Madrigal are fully healthy Adbert Alzale has got potential Justin Steele's got potential as well Raphael Ortega's been balling out in center field okay I like Sergio Alcantra. He's very shaky with the bat right now, but you saw him at his best during this the stage you know, when the Cubs were really good. David Bodie's a really nice player as well. Uh, it's Austin Austin Romine is a very nice su- option in the middle infield. Either way, and no, it's Andrew Austin. They both play for the Cubs, so it works. One's a catcher though. Austin is the catcher. He just played for Iowa tonight, so yeah. Just talking about things that suck. Might as well just do that. Things that don't suck is the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I've been there once. I had a football camp there for the Blue Gray All American Camp. I did a qualifying camp for this camp down in Missouri. I think it's Southwest Missouri State or Missouri Western State. I I don't remember. The Griffins, the Chiefs practice there in this their their fall camp. There's, yeah, OTAs are there, I, or at least they used to be. <laughs> I went down there, quarterback camp, trying to get to this one camp. You can either go to Dallas, Canton. I think Jacksonville, and there was one out west, but I don't remember where it was exactly. I was ranked third out of 30 or so quarterbacks that were at this camp due to my accuracy. That was my big thing, my accuracy. I, I had one incomplete pass. Now, this is, goes back to the things I always talk about. Anybody can look good on air. <laughs> That's a prime example of that. Go to the Blue-Gray All-America Camp in uh, Canton, Ohio. Do this whole big ceremony. They get their jerseys. Or the camp shirt, whatever you want to call it. And it's a big deal. Big time deal. I have pictures of it. It's a freaking awesome thing. Rained all day. Couldn't get any consistency throwing the ball. Sucked overall as a camp. Terrible. But the Hall of Fame was awesome. One of the coolest things I've ever seen. Ever. It was was amazing. Looking at all the history that's been involved there. That was when Junior Seau was getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. I remember that one specifically because I took a picture next to his thing. RIP Junior Seau. But it was awesome. And the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies were Saturday night and tonight. And we had the 2020 class on Saturday, 2021 class today or Sunday. So for the 2020 class, you had the modern era members, and they had a centennial slate because it was the NFL's 100th anniversary. So you had a bunch of people that weren't in the Hall of Fame yet, but rightfully deserved a spot in the Hall of Fame. Like here, let's read out the list for you. So you had Bill Cowher, Jimmy Johnson, Steve Sable, who is awesome RIP to Steve Sable. But if you ever watch NFL films, that's the mastermind behind it all. Paul Tagliabue, the commissioner right before Roger Goodell. George Young, Harold Carmichael, one of the greatest receivers, one of the most underrated receivers of all time. Six foot eight, very big in those early, early NFL days. Not really early, but like 70s NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. You had Jim Covert, Bobby Dillon, Cliff Harris, Winston Till, Alex Karras, Iowa Hawkeye, and Mongo from, uh, ooh, Blazing Saddles. I almost, I almost forgot. Donnie Shell, great safety. Duke Slater, another Hawkeye. Max Speedy and Ed Sprinkle. Two Hawkeyes. Let's go. You had some big names in that. Bill Cowher, Jimmy Johnson, Super Bowl winning coaches. Paul Tagliabue, former commissioner. Steve Sable, the legend behind NFL films, one of the greatest documentary teams ever ever, not, not one of them, the greatest documentary team ever, NFL films. And then the modern era class of 2020, Steve Atwater, who I'm surprised wasn't in yet. I was, I, was, I was shocked he hasn't been in yet. And then now he's finally in there. Isaac Bruce, similar story. Steve Hutchison, great guard for the Vikings and Seahawks. And then Edron James, one of my favorite players of all time. Loved Edron James. It's kind of crazy to look back Edron James, because when the Colts, so if for those of you who don't know, Marshall Falk, who's well known for being the Rams running back at the great show on turf, started off on the Colts, got drafted second overall out of San Diego State, Marshall Falk is looking for a contract, Colts aren't willing to budge, they trade him to St. Louis, where the Rams were then in St. Louis, they had the fourth overall pick, and Ricky Williams just won the Heisman, the biggest, all oh, the biggest, hottest running back in the NFL, or college football, is coming out. And then fourth overall, you take Edron James. That's not what was supposed to happen. That's not very poggers. <laughs> and then the Saints trade up to number five. One pick later, give up their entire draft, and then some to draft Edrin J- or to draft Ricky Williams. And we all know how that worked out. Edron James is one of the most underrated, not just running backs, one of the most underrated football players of all time. One of the greatest running backs of all time. Before this... Enshrinement, I believe. No, he was the only running back to not, not an active players. So obviously, Frank Gore still playing, Adrian Peterson still playing. Out of the players that are retired, he was the only player not in the Hall of Fame that was over twelve thousand rushing yards. edron James is a freaking baller. Led the NFL in rushing right off the bat. So underappreciated, and I'm so happy he's in the Hall of Fame. Him and Steve Atwater, I'm shocked we're in the Hall of Fame already. And I'm happy they were in now. From gold teeth to gold jacket, as Edron said on Saturday. And then unsurprisingly, <laughs> one of the greatest safeties of all time, Troy Polamalu, made the Hall of Fame. There's obviously arguments made about where he ranks in the all-time safety list. To me, I've been unwavered on this take. Ed Reed's the greatest safety of all time. You can make other arguments, but Ed Reed is the greatest safety of all time. One thing I loved about Ed Reed was the fact that even though he played safety, He was always trying to score. And you saw that with Tyler Sash as well at Iowa. RIP to Tyler Sash. But Ed Reed was always trying to score. Whether it be a pick, a fumble recovery, punt return, whatever. Ed Reed was trying to house the football. Whether it be pitching it back, catching a pitch, whatever. He was the hardest hitter. He'd play free safety. He'd play center field. He'd try to score touchdowns. Bill Belichick feared Ed Reed. And Ed Reed in my opinion, is the greatest safety of all time. Now, there's a lot of Steelers fans in America. More Steelers fans than Ravens fans. So there's very loud people that say Troy Polamalu. It's not, though. It's not saying like it's a landslide for Ed Reed. It's close, but Ed Reed's the greatest of all time. Isaac Bruce, one of the greatest receivers of all time. Part of the greatest show on turf. Torrey Holt will be in eventually, but Isaac Bruce, rightfully, in the Hall of Fame. And Steve Steve Hutchison, similar, rightfully, in the Hall of Fame. And then you've got the class of 2021. You had eight members for the class of 2021. You had Alan Fanica, guard for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I saw this thing. It was like, what was it, eight sacks or nine sacks given up at 13 years for Alan Fanica? Absolutely ridiculous. And then you had Tom Flores, who is another one. Like Edron James, like Steve Atwater, I am shocked it's taken this long to get Tom Flores in the of Fame. He was the first Hispanic quarterback in the NFL. First, yeah, first Hispanic quarterback in the NFL ever. But that alone doesn't get you in the Hall of Fame. You have to do something else. People remember you, but you have to do something to get in the Hall of Fame. Then he won two Super Bowls as the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. Or Los Angeles Raiders. I don't know. They were in between. They were moving all over the place at that time. With Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett, yes, Heisman Trophy winner Jim Plunkett that flunked out of the Patriots. That Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls. Tom Flores' speech was very nice. Then you had Calvin Johnson. One of the most dominant receivers ever. Megatron was 36 yards away from a 2,000-yard season receiving. Good Lord. 17 games. He would have had 2,000 and then some. I think Calvin Johnson's cleats. Now, the generic, the, the, the off, not the most expensive Calvin Johnson cleats. Like the cheapest ones. They are probably like 70 bucks freaking bricks have you ever just put your foot like you'd see a shoe you get some shoes let's just use this as you get some shoes you get the shoe box you take the shoes out of the box cut a hole in the top of the shoe box and stick your foot in it that was the 70 version of calvin johnson's cleats now i also had a pair of calvin Johnson shoes they sick looking shoes not very comfortable it was like you were had a jet on your foot not very comfortable like metal, uh, not the seats in the jet. Metal, because his name Megatron. Megatron was a jet, obviously. Pfft, duh. But crazy receiver. And, the, that's, and players like Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders. Man, screw the Lions, right? Screw the Lions. And I love that he went off on the towards the end of his Hall of Fame, great Hall of Fame speech, by the way. Calvin Johnson had a great one. And towards the end, he started going off about opioids, which I'm a hundred percent behind. Go off on opioids. <laughs> get rid of that stuff. Good Lord, opioids. I'm surprised they're still around. But that's they get paid the money, so they're involved. If they pay the money. Whatever. They should not be involved in sports whatsoever. And I'm glad Calvin Johnson brought that up. They have John Lynch in there as well. Part one of the greatest defenses of all time, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that won the Super Bowl against the Las Vegas or the Oakland Raiders. John Lynch, Derek Brooks one of the greatest linebackers of all time, Warren Sapp, one of the greatest D linemen of all time, Rondé Barber, who will be in the Hall of Fame eventually, but man, that defense was freaking awesome. That offense did not win that (laughs) Super Bowl. That defense did. Friggin' Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. That's something to wrap your head around. And then Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I saw that before the Hall of Fame started, before the enshrinement process started, Kurt Warner, Michael Irvin, and Rich Eisen were doing the hosting of the thing, and Kurt Warner had a quote that said Peyton Manning's on the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks, and I agree one thousand percent. So they went over their Mount Rushmores of quarterbacks, and there is only one right answer. Okay, there's only one. We have talked about my rankings of quarterbacks. This is the only right answer: Brady, Montana, Manning, and either. Elway or Marino. And you can make arguments for Otto Graham in there as well, I think. Sammy Baugh could be also talked about in there. But just if you want to throw in an older guy in there. But really, those are the five. Or four. Marino and Elway you could rotate around. Don't care. But Manning, Brady, and Montana. Untouchable. Three greatest quarterbacks of all time. And it goes Brady, Montana, Manning. Any other order's wrong. I'm sorry. I had a Peyton Manning jersey. So I'm, I like Peyton Manning. I like him a lot. But Montana, no. Montana was the GOAT before Brady. Why are we all of a sudden taking Montana out of these lists since Brady passed him? Like, it seems like we're just forgetting how good Montana was now that Brady is the GOAT. When Montana was the GOAT, everyone's like, oh yeah, he's the GOAT. Yeah, no, no question about it. But now that Brady's passed him and we can start removing Montana from these top five lists, that makes no sense. And Michael Irvin did just that. Brady Manning, which I, again, I agree with 100%. Don't, I, <laughs> biased to the thousandth degree. Never. If you throw Troy Aikman in a top four greatest quarter, and list him at three, you, no, no. And he threw Roger Staubach in and Aaron Rodgers. Why the hell is Troy Aikman in there? Other than winning Super Bowls, what did Troy, what? What? <laughs> yeah, the greatest running, greatest rusher of all time, Emmitt Smith. Notice it said rusher because he has the most yards of all time for a running back. You had Michael Irvin. He had one of the greatest offensive lines of all time. He had a great defense. Troy Aikman is not we're talking about Joe Montana being assistant quarterback. Troy Aikman won one game <laughs> without these guys. Joe Montana won a Super Bowl before Jerry Rice. Bill Walsh didn't win anything before Joe Montana. I I don't get the system quarterback is the dumbest phrase in sports. I don't care what you say. That phrase is stupid. Because Bill Walsh had the same system in Cincinnati. Notice it worked wonders there. Joe Montana came in, and all of a sudden, the 49ers are killing everybody. 49ers weren't winning Super Bowls before Joe Montana got there. Bill Walsh wasn't winning anything before Joe Montana got there. Jerry Rice, he won things all with Joe Montana. Joe Montana won without Jerry Rice. And people want to point to Jerry Rice, who is the greatest receiver of all time, Carried Joe Montana. Bill Walsh carried Joe Montana. Why don't we look at it from the factual standpoint of Joe Montana elevated both those guys. (laughs) The facts are, Bill Walton didn't win before Joe Walsh. Walsh, Jeez. Bill... Wow. Bill Walsh did not win before Joe Montana. Joe Montana won before Jerry Rice. That's the facts. Throw the system quarterback thing out of the way because that's a dumbass take if you're especially going to throw in Troy Aikman. You're going to make the case that Joe Montana is a system quarterback. That throw Troy Aikman into the mix to replace Joe Montana. I get he's a former Cowboy. I get he played with Troy Aikman. Troy Troy Aikman has no reason to be in that list, and this is controversial, okay? But I'm throwing Steve Young in a list before Troy Aikman. People say Troy Aikman's one of the most naturally gifted quarterbacks ever. Steve Young's more naturally gifted than Troy Aikman. But then you can make the argument: Oh, what kept Steve Young out of winning the Super Bowls? Troy Aikman. But Troy, Aik- Steve Young also kept Troy Aikman from winning another Super Bowl. Broke records in the Super Bowl against the Chargers. Steve Young, I've said this before. Steve Young is one of the most underappreciated legends in NFL history. One of the, if not the most, underappreciated legend in NFL history. Things he was doing, other than Randall Cunningham, no one was doing. Being able to run like he did make plays like he did to cap it off. He was a left-handed quarterback. He didn't have those. You don't have them now. <laughs> you have Tua. That's it. And I'm sorry if I'm forgetting somebody, but good Lord. I could see an argument for Roger Staubach. I will not, I will ignore all arguments for Troy Aikman. I could see arguments for Aaron Rodgers. I could see arguments for Brett Favre. I could see arguments for Otto Graham, for all these guys. Not Troy Aikman. I get he won three Super Bowls. Great for him. Good for him. Playoff Troy Aikman is great. That's the same thing like we're throwing Eli Manning in the greatest quarterbacks league of all time because in the playoffs he was freaking awesome. There's not a lot of better playoff quarterbacks than Eli Manning. No one is throwing Eli Manning anywhere near top four list. He won just one less Super Bowl than Troy Aikman did. So why are we not just throwing Eli Manning in there as well? Oh my God. How about Blue... uh, Rich Eisen, rightfully so, made fun of, roasted the shit out of Michael Irvin because of that. You left Joe Montana off the list of throwing Troy Aikman. Wow. I get you played with him, but good frickin' lord. And Cowboys fans are very loud fans. So I'm sure they were all very happy about that. But nobody, apart from Cowboys fans, will ever rank Troy Aikman in a top five. Ever. (laughs) They're odd fans if they do that. And Troy Aikman, rightfully in the Hall of Fame. But he's not a top five quarterback of all time. He's not on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. That belongs to Brady, Montana, Manning, unquestionably, and then either Elway or Marino. That's it. And you can have the argument for Otto Graham just because he was one of the first really good quarterbacks in the NFL. Sammy Baugh has an argument to be made there. Not Troy. I'm sorry, but it's just the facts. We're going to make an argument that that Joe Montana is a system quarterback, but then we're going to ignore what we just said, put Troy Aikman in. Okay, works for me. Works for me. And you also had Nunn from the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the greatest scouts of all time. I think I saw something that he scouted 13 Hall of Famers or something like that. Built the Steelers, really. Those dominant '70 Steelers teams. They had Drew Pearson of the Cowboys, wide receiver, the first great '88. Also, was the first was the guy who caught the Hail Mary play, the first ever Hail Mary, where Roger Staubach just launched up a prayer, said Hail Mary, and Drew Pearson caught it. Questionable pass interference call that should have been called, and they score. At least I, I might, I think it was Drew Pearson. <laughs> if it wasn't Drew Pearson, he played with Roger Staubach. I now I'm questioning myself. I think he's the one who caught the first Hail Mary pass. Or the first coined Hail Mary pass, I guess. And then Charles Woodson. One of my favorite players of all time. If he did not play for the Raiders, he'd be so much higher on my list of favorite players of all time. He, great speech. Great speech. Love Charles Woodson. Great player. Man. I was, I was kind of surprised, though, that he didn't mention the tuck rule whatsoever. Because Tom Brady was there. He was there for Peyton Manning, but he played with Tom Brady at Michigan. Like... Obviously, the tuck rule. Brady's there. It's low-hanging fruit. There were signs that said it was a fumble. Chris Berman even brought it up when he was calling out Charles Woodson. Like, there were so many signs that it was going to happen. They didn't happen. Maybe it was just low-hanging fruit, and he didn't want to do that. So, fair play to Charles for doing that. But great Hall of Fame class. Great set of speeches. Peyton Manning's speech was awesome as well. Calvin Johnson had a great speech. I missed Drew Pearson's speech. I saw a little bit of Tom Flores' speech. None, sadly, is not here with us right now. He passed away a few years ago. I've, I've, I, I know he passed away. I don't know the exact timeline of when that happened. I saw Alan Fanica's speech, saw Manning's, saw Woodson's, saw the end of John Lynch's, and saw Calvin Johnson's. All of Calvin Johnson's, all of Peyton Manning's, and all of Charles Woodson's. And all of Alan Fanica's Faneca, as well. I was flipping back and forth between that and the Cubs game that we talked about earlier, <laughs> and it was kind of hard to watch the Cubs game because, you know, We're playing pretty bad. They had a couple nice moments, and they're not to take away from, you know, the loss, which is, I guess, the thing they want to do, right? They want to lose. If they got good after all these trades, it'd be a little bit of a problem. Maybe it it worked out for the better. Maybe if they get good with all these random players, (laughs) that's the best thing that could happen. Oh, man. Love the Hall of Fame. One of the greatest things ever. If you have not been or are planning on going, I would definitely recommend you go to the hall of pro football hall of fame because it is awesome pro football hall of fame is one of the coolest things you could ever go to and yeah i would just really recommend you doing that and then you've also got you know the 2022 class is getting talked about a little bit you've got like steve smith is in there Tory holt Ronde barber zach thomas from the dolphins tony baselli who i'm also surprised it's not in yet but that comes down to shorter career but terrell davis is in Short career, Tony Baselli was an uber-dominant tackle for the Jaguars. Not in yet. Should definitely be in, but he'll be in next year. He'll be in next year for sure. Steve Smith, this is where it gets interesting because this is his first year of eligibility. The problem with Steve Smith is, yes, he'll be a Hall of Famer. Yes, he'll be a Hall of Famer. That's not, that's not a question. He's not a first-ballot Hall of Famer. If you look at the first-ballot wide receivers that we've had, the most notable ones like Jerry Rice... Randy Moss, and freaking Calvin Johnson. Not even Terrell Owens was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, that goes a couple things off the field as well, but he wasn't even a first ballot Hall of Famer. So Steve Smith, who is a great wide receiver, don't get me wrong, but not at that Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Calvin Johnson level, he'll be in on the second attempt, not the first attempt. Okay, Drew Pearson waited for years to get in the Hall of Fame. I Steve Smith's not a first ballot. I would like to say so because I love Steve Smith. My friend Caleb, his favorite player growing up outside of the players that were on the Steelers, was Steve Smith. He wore 89 for Steve Smith. But yeah, he won't he shouldn't get in first ballot. Shouldn't, anyways. But if he does, I mean, fair play. I'm not gonna hate on a guy for getting in the Hall of Fame, but I just don't think he's a first ballot. Torrey Holt, I think should definitely get in. Part of the greatest show on turf. Great wide receiver the St. Louis Rams. Rondé Barber, like I said earlier, should get in. Zach Thomas, maybe? Maybe should get in? He's a, the best player for the Dolphins for a while. Him and Jason Taylor were great players for the Dolphins. Jason Taylor just got inducted a few years ago. Zach Thomas, will he get inducted this year? Maybe. Time will tell. Tony Baselli should get nominated for this one. Devin Hester, I if the, I think this is his first year. Devin Hester will get in. He will get in. That's a guarantee. But the problem is, he was not a great wide receiver when he did play there. Greatest returner of all time. I think everybody can agree on that. But wide receiver, when he tried to play there, it did not really work out that well. was very odd mix there. They got Patrick Willis that will also be in there. Jared Allen, who I think should get in. Sam Mills from the Saints. Like, Leroy Butler. Tony Romo is up for it as well. But I don't know how many. they. It's kind of random how many, put, how many people they put in. But I think, like, Tory Holtz should get in. Tony Baselli should get in. Rondy Barber should get in. Honestly, I think Jared Allen should get in. I knew he wasn't going to be a first ballot, which is what, this was his first year of in, enshrinement in 2021. He should get in. Jared Allen had one of the greatest seasons in defensive ends ever had. He should definitely get in the Hall of Fame. Not first ballot, rightfully so. That's the same thing with Steve Smith. Hall of Famer? Yes. First ballot? No. You have to be a legendary, legendary player to get first ballot Hall of Fame recognition. Like Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Tom Brady eventually. Steve Smith is not up there. For me anyways. It doesn't matter what I think. It's what the Hall of Fame committee does. Man. But yeah, that's... That's going to be something that gets talked about as the years go on, or as this year goes on. We'll get the nominations in, uh, when do the nominations kick off? When do we know? The NFL Honors. So we'll know in February, or late January, early February, when the Hall of Fame class is announced. And people, normally, people aren't that mad. Because these are great, these are the greatest players of all time. They're rightfully included in the history of the NFL. No one's really upset like, oh, that person should not get in. Like, visibly angry. But people will get upset if their favorite player's not in. And that happens every year. And this is one of the greatest Hall of Fame classes of all time. Undeniably. Like, Peyton, Calvin, Charles Woodson, Alan Fanica, Tom Ford. Like, that is a great class. This next year, not an insane class, comparatively, but they still are some of the greatest players of all time. And they will all rightfully... not all of them, but some of them will rightfully be in the Hall of Fame. Like, Steve Smith will rightfully be in the Hall of Fame at some point. Probably not this year. I would be pretty shocked if he's one of the few first ballot Hall of Fame wide receivers. Like, the last one since Jerry Rice was Randy Moss. Uh, is Steve Smith up there? No. I'm sorry. It's just not. Similar thing to Troy Aikman. <laughs> is he a great quarterback? Yeah, I mean he won three Super Bowls, it's hard to argue with that, but is he a top five quarterback? No, not at all, <laughs> not at all. Is Steve Smith a great wide receiver? Yeah, is he a first ballot? Nah, sorry. And this is also, while we're on the topic, keeping of the topic of the NFL, we are five weeks away from the first week of the NFL season. Yes, the official week, we've got, you know, preseason coming up this weekend, Bills are playing the Lions this week, so that will be fairly exciting I guess. Over, under a quarter for Josh Allen. I don't know. Probably uh, hoping under. First drive is what I'm hoping for. But you got the first game of the season, September 9th, Cowboys versus Buccaneers on NBC. That's the first game of the season. Then you've got Sunday, September 12th. You've got the Bills and Steelers. you got the Chargers and Washington football team. You've got the Eagles, Falcons, Bengals, Vikings, Lions, Niners, Cardinals, Titans, Seahawks, Colts, Jets, Panthers, Jaguars, Texans, Browns, Chiefs, Dolphins, Pats, Packers, Saints, Broncos, Giants, Bears, Rams for Sunday night football. For some reason, the Bears always get Sunday night football to start the season off. Just feels like anyways. And then Monday night football, Ravens and the Raiders. That Bears one could be interesting. Bears, Rams. Dustin Fields, from what I've seen, is balling out in fall camp. I was at a point when I think we talked about this a week ago, two weeks ago of Justin Fields I thought would start somewhere in the middle of the season. Like week eight, probably. I would be pretty surprised if he's not started by week three. To be honest, I don't know if he'll start the season, but he will definitely be in the running by week two or three. Good lord, the dude's a freaking baller. He's so above the levels of what, like, Trubisky was coming in as. Justin Fields is ready to play. And Justin Fields has got a mindset that you don't get in a lot of rookies. And that's what you love to see. You love to see that from a rookie quarterback. These rookie quarterbacks are uber-talented. But the ones that are going to start Week 1 guaranteed are Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Those are guaranteed to happen. The other ones, the other three that were drafted in the first round, up in the air, I think Trey Lance is 1% chance, because I won't rule it out that he'll start Week 1, but a 1% chance. They pretty much ruled out a quarterback competition. They said... Essentially, there's no competition. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo is a starter. Mac Jones, 1% chance to start week one. And then Justin Fields is a 50 50 shot, really. D- Justin Fields is a freaking baller. If you look at everything Justin Fields could do, it's a thousand times the thing Andy Dalton could do. Yeah, <laughs> Justin Fields is a baller. And Bears fans have every right to be excited about their new quarterback for this upcoming season. Hopefully, he starts week one, because that would be a lot more exciting to start a season to see him under center on Sunday Night Football than Andy Dalton. Or, God forbid, Nick Foles. Now, for other teams like the Colts, without Carson Wentz, who is out from a very weird range of games, like 5, six, five to 12 weeks, Quentin Nelson similarly out 5 to 12 weeks, will they trade for Nick Foles? That's something I've been seeing around the interwebs, which, you know, everything you put on the internet is 100% factual and true. I don't know a lot of fun controversies going into the season like that who's starting for the Colts Will Carson Wentz be back and healthy because I mean we're five weeks away right now from the first week of the NFL season he got injured before this week so if that timetable is correct he should be or at least the earliest should be ready by this first week of the NFL season which I'm excited to see what he does I'm very excited to see what he does And then the Eagles, they haven't named a starting quarterback yet. I would fully expect it to be Jalen Hurts, but this is just Nick Sirianni basically going, I'm a new head coach. I'm going to pretend it's an open competition, even though I'd be pretty shocked if Jalen Hurts is not starting week one. Pretty freaking shocked, to be honest. Any other quarterback controversies that we really have? Just scrolling down the list a little bit. Not really. Texans, I guess we don't know if Deshaun's going to start, because if he's not there there'll be Tyrod, but if Sean Watts is there. Sean Watts is going to start. (laughs) Yeah, there's some interesting things going on around the NFL. And that is awesome. I'm very excited for that. And for college football, we're getting close to that as well. August 28th. We're a week less. We are four weeks away from the first week of college football. And then, I mean, that's for college football in general. But for teams everybody around here really cares about, that's another week on September 4th, where you've got Iowa versus Indiana. First week, Big Ten action, and then you and I against Iowa State. which will be fun. I'm going to try and get tickets to that game, because that'll be a lot of fun. You and I is at another point where they should be, well, not as good as last year, but they should be good. And we're just talking about preseason things, because obviously last year for you and I was not a great one. A lot was expected of them. COVID happened. A lot of their players either transferred or opted out. Spencer Brown went to the draft. Ellerson Smith went to the draft. Xavier Williams went to Iowa. Curtis Brinkman went to Nebraska. Or no, Chris Kalarevic went to Nebraska. They lost a lot of pretty good players. Lost a lot of pretty, 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 pretty good players. Now, I've talked about this. If... And they were healthy. I'm not saying they would beat Iowa because they, played, they were supposed to play them week one last year. But it would have been good. Been really, really fun. So while we're talking about college football, let's go over quickly because I'm trying to end the show within 10 minutes. I'm going to try and go as fast as possible. I'll go over the lists and then I'll touch on some players or mention some players that I think are very fun to watch or very important. So, top five or 10 players in each position defensively. So we remember we did the offensive one last Wednesday. This time we're doing the defensive players, which is a little bit harder to do than offensive players, in my opinion, mainly because of the fact I played offense my entire life. I never played defense. I mean, I, I guess I did in JYF. I played some Rover, but I was not a defensive player. Never liked playing defense. I know a lot of people like to hit people. I liked evading hits, and I liked throwing the football. That was my two favorite. Those were my two favorite things to do on a football field, and you can't do that on defense. I mean, I guess you can evade people on defense, but you can't really throw a football on defense. If you're Florida, you can throw a shoe and lose the game to LSU, screw yourselves out of a chance of a SEC championship game, <laughs> and get uh, throttled by Oklahoma and have your quarterback throw three picks in the first half. That was pretty exciting, wasn't it? But yeah, top five. We'll go over the top five players in each position, and then you'll see the top ten list when this comes out which will become it it should be out now by the time you're listening to this point in the show the list should be out so make sure you are on the logan blackman show website go and follow me on all forms of social media so you can see the post uh logan underscore blackman's the twitter account lo blackman logan's the instagram account the logan blackman show one's the instagram and while you're at it might as well just go subscribe to the youtube channel and follow the apple podcast and spotify account so top five interior defense alignment now this one's tricky People would be surprised how interesting it is to rank D-linemen and edge rushers. Because for those who aren't aware, edge rushers can play on the D-line. In a 4-3 defense, you can play those on the... Out, on. That's how it works. 4-3 defense, you have edge rushers on the D-line. 3-4, you have outside linebackers being the edge rushers. And there's some weird 3-3-5 defenses that some teams like to run. And can make things a little more difficult in regards to naming an outside linebacker as an edge rusher or just as a standard linebacker. But overall... I think we got a good list. So number one of the D linemen, he currently plays as a 4-3 D end, but size-wise, you would expect him to move to more of a 3-tech position, which is the usually, just for not scientific terms, the smaller of the two D linemen. So if you're playing a 3-4 defense, or no, 4-3 defense, you have the nose guard and then a D tackle or a 3-tech. The smaller guy is the 3-tech. Th- the, the big, beefy dude is the D tackle or the nose tackle. And then you've got a 3-4 defense, which you can play. It's not a 3-tech, but it's more, I think it's a 6-tech, 6-technique. You play as the 3-4 defensive end. Your bigger, your smaller defensive tackles, you're doing pretty much the same thing, but this time in a 3-4 defense, you're coming off the outside a little bit more. Not completely on the outside, but you're going off the guard's outside hip, challenging the defensive ends usually. Outside linebacker will try to attack the outside of the tackle. You go around the guard, and that's where it usually causes havoc. But they're very good against the pass, can be suspect at times against the run because there's not that many people in the box. You have more people in the D-line, you're going to be better on the run. If you have less people, you're obviously going to be worse at the run. But DeMarvin Leal plays a 4-3 a defensive end, but expect to play 3-tech. Extreme athlete from the position, very versatile player. Yeah, very fun player to watch. Number two is Jordan Davis from Georgia. Monster. six foot six, three 330 pounds, best run stopper in the entire draft. Georgia had the number one rush defense last year. Absolutely insane defense. Gave up 723 total rush yards, which is 72.3 yards per game. 2.4 yards per carry. in the SEC, which, speaking of running backs, while we're on that topic, I saw a screenshot, or I took a screenshot, it was an Instagram post, from Pro Football Focus, who do a lot of different things. I don't like their ranking systems that much, like when they give specific players their ratings. Like, Josh Allen's worse than Doug Hodges. Remember that stupid thing? That's one of the reasons I don't like it. But their analysis of players is good when they give the rankings. I guess not all of their analysis is good. They feel very... They're very entitled. I think they think they're smarter than what they are, is what I think, which I can get into sometimes as well. But they said no draft eligible back. This is Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. No draft eligible running back features a more complete all-around game than Brees Hall. And I can make an argument... For Kyron Williams, more all-around game, because of how the fact is he is a better wide receiver out of the backfield than Brees Hall. I don't think Kyron Williams is a better running back. I ranked him third on my draft list, but Brees Hall is not used in the pass game, whether you look at that as Brees Hall can't do anything in the pass game or you look at things like Matt Hall, Matt Campbell just doesn't use him in the pass game. Right, wrong, or otherwise, he just doesn't use him. Kyron Williams is a better receiver than him. And outside of Kyron Williams, there's not a lot of pass-catching backs, or a lot of versatile backs. Brees Hall, I think, is tied with Isaiah Spiller for that number one back spot, mainly off the fact that you're looking at carries they've had. Scouts might look at their teams might look at the carries, go, oh, the tread on the tire thing, and draft Isaiah Spiller. But Kyron Williams, great wide receiver out of the backfield. So I would make the argument for that, but I'm not going to say you're terribly wrong with Brees Hall, just because the fact, we don't know how good a receiver he has out of the back, because we've never seen it. We see it every once in a while, but it's not something that I would go, oh, yeah, remember Brees Hall made that sick play doing a wheel route right out of the backfield? I don't. Now, I don't watch a crap ton of Iowa State football games, but I'm going to try to this year because you're, you know, we're doing draft stuff, and Brees Hall didn't get drafted. There's a lot of Iowa State players that didn't go to the draft. They brought pretty much everybody back. All the big-name players that were going to get drafted are back. <laughs> Offensively, Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, Charlie Kohler, Mike Rose on defense. Like These people came back. They all could have left, and they came back. But we're gonna start watching a lot more Iowa State football just to get ready for that. And Brees Hall is a main cog in that. But Jordan Davis from Georgia, his main job is to stop that. And they got Perry on Winfrey from Oklahoma. Haskell Garrett is probably the best interior pass rusher in this draft class. I mean, Demarvin Leal plays a three a four three DN, so it's kind of hard to say he's the better interior edge or interior pass rusher. Where Miles or Haskell Gary, who plays on a 4-3 defense and a 4-3 defense tackle. You can see that a lot more from the inside. Leal, not as much, but it does happen from time to time. And then Tyler Davis from Clemson, because I just love how they breed up defensive tackles. You look at the last time, they had a bunch of D-tackles, they're really good D-tackles, like Dexter Lawrence, who's now with the New York Giants, and Christian Wilkins from the Dolphins, almost forgot his name. They had an insane defensive line. I love how they do that down there. I think Tyler Davis is a very, t- talent, very talented one. DJ Dale is also someone that I could see mentioned up there from Alabama, but I did put Tyler Davis at number five. Number, or next one, edge rushers. Kayvon Thibodeau, number one player in the draft. Absolute, just insane. <laughs> athlete, 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 athlete. That's what you say. Insane athlete. Best overall player in the class. He could play as an edge rusher. He could play as a D lineman. He could play as a linebacker. He would probably do everything for you on defense. He's going to try and win the Heisman this year, is what he said. We'll see if that happens. Uber talented. Ceiling is unmatched by anybody in this draft. Yeah, number one player in the draft. Next, Drake Jackson from USC, 4-3 D-end. The UFC, UFC and the Pac-12 in general didn't do a lot this year. Drake Jackson didn't do a lot because the Pac-12 was really up in the air the entire season, hopefully this year, them as a whole, USC as a whole, finds some consistency Kian Slovis is a big one that needs to find some consistency. Drake London, another player named Drake for USC. Wide receiver, hope he gets a big game, big usage this year because that dude's a baller as well. George Kalarftis from Purdue, bigger defensive end. Similar to that of DeMarvin Lee, I could see him pushing inside to a defensive line position, going more of a three-tech spot, but powerful as a D-end. And then you've got Zach Harrison from Ohio State playing in another 3-4-3 defense event. The top five on my list, Hayden Hutchinson from Michigan's number five, all play in a 4-3 defense. And as you get a little bit lower, like Kingsley Anger, Angerbrer from South Carolina plays in a 3-3-5 defense, outside linebacker slash D-end. Nick Bonito from Oklahoma, 3-3-5 defense. Mijay Sanders from Cincinnati, 3-3-5 defense. Adam Anderson from Georgia and Brenton Cox from Florida play as a 3-4 outside linebacker. So you could switch these up a little bit, but I think my top five is Thibodeau, Jackson, Clarftis, Harrison, and Steve Steve Hutchinson. Not him, Aiden Hutchinson. Are they related? Are they related? In any way, shape, or form, are they related? Because Steve went to Michigan. Now I've got to look this up, because I didn't think about this till now, until I accidentally said Steve Hutchinson when I was trying to talk about Aiden. If this is true... This would be pretty crazy. He's 43 years old, so it's not out of the question. It doesn't say. It doesn't say if they're related or anything. I don't, I didn't think he was his son, but at least somewhat related. Both go to Michigan. Both last name Hutchison. Makes sense, right? I'm not, I'm not crazy. Then you got linebackers next. You got Christian Harris from Alabama. Alabama just breeds linebackers. It's just what they do. Then N'Kobe Dean. Very athletic linebacker from Georgia plays a three-four cheese Three-four inside linebacker. So he's one of a two in there. Christian Harris does the same thing. Then you got ventral Miller from Florida. He alternates. It kind of is a weird defense Florida has. I gotta look. To, I gotta remember what this looked like because it's just weird because they list them as a rover. I think they had a position called star. So I don't know how to label it if it's like a three-four-four-three or like a. I don't know. I'm just going to have to read this out because I don't remember exactly how it read. It was D-N nose tackle, D-tackle, and then a buck, then a will linebacker, then a middle linebacker, and then a star, which is a smaller... Basically, nickelback. Let's just call it that. With four defensive backs. So do you include him in a 4-2... Like, is the buck a linebacker? So you've got a 3-3-5? Three, three, or you got a 3... I, it's weird. you got they're one of the weirder defenses to try and figure out what exactly it is. But then you got Owen Pope Papo from Auburn. I'm sorry if I mispronounced his name. 425 linebacker, one of the more interesting defenses. Same with Devin Lloyd at Utah, 425 defense. I did have Mike Rose on here from Iowa State for all you Iowa State fans on here that say Mike Rose is just a defensive takeaway that dude just has a nose for the ball. He's on here. So hold your horses, you you'll see it. But then you got like DeMarvian Overshone. Overshown. Friggin weird line. He's built like friggin Kyle Hamilton. It's like sick I gotta remember what he is. I should have wrote that down for how big he actually is. Cause he's not your stereotypic. He's like Tremaine Edmonds for the Buffalo Bills. B- weirdly built linebacker. You don't see linebackers built. It's 6'4", 217. Should we expect him to move to safety at the next level? Is that something we should be ready for? Billy freaking Kyle Hamilton. Why is he playing linebacker? Uh, but yeah, he's, very, he's going to be interesting to watch this year. Corners, Derek Stingley, number two player in the draft. The, the, this draft is going to focus on defense. You have a lot of very good players on the defensive side. We already named Thibodeau. Now we're on the Derek Stingley. Kyre Elam from Florida is another really good cornerback. Andrew Booth from Clemson, more inexperienced player. We'll see how he gets on this year. Ahmad Gardner, who I could flip. Booth and Gardner around and be perfectly content with it. Both are very, very talented Corvins. Sevian Banks from Ohio State. The thing with Sevian Banks that scares me a little bit, remember last year when, um, crap, who's their corner? I got, I'm forgetting. I'm completely blanking on all these corner names, all these player names. This is why you get Phil Steele's magazine. So you can go back and look at some of your, some of the Older players that you kind of forgot about. Is it Wade? Sean Wade. jeez, Super hyped before the season started. And then as you went on, fell very far down most teams' draft boards. I'm scared of that. Now you just got Jeff Akuda, Damon Arnett, both those guys got drafted in the first round. Sevian Banks could get drafted in the first round, but could also get drafted in the fifth round. Well, time will tell on that. <laughs> Trent McDuffie is another one I really like from Washington. Then you got Michael Wright. Travius Hodges-Tomlinson from TCU, Josh Job, Josh Joby, Josh Job from Alabama, however you want to pronounce his name, or however you do, I don't want to say however you want to, however you pronounce his name, there's some good corners. Derek Stingley being the main one. And then safety, the number three player in the draft, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. Free safety, plays freaking everywhere. Frickin' monsters, like 6'4", 220. Big dude, makes plays all over the field. Whether it be in the run game, whether it be in the pass game, Duke can be... Up on the line of scrimmage, Duke can play center field. Duke can knock your head off. He can make an ankle tackle. Dude just does everything on defense. They got Jordan Battle from Alabama. I think most people would sadly remember Jordan Battle for getting ejected in the national championship game for targeting. Young safety making a... Trying to make a play. Trying to make a play, but it it was targeting. But it is harsh. She's a freshman in a national championship. And that's one of the games that made me like Jalen Waddle even more. I loved Jalen Waddell in that season. If you listen back on some old Colon Company shows, I was talking about Jalen Waddell as a possible Heisman candidate before he got hurt against Tennessee. He was next to Jordan Bowe for the rest of the game. Talking to him like, it's okay, it's okay, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. And Jalen Waddell played when he wasn't really healthy from a broken ankle. So, great player Jalen Waddell is. I hope he's a success with the Dolphins, but again, not when he's against the Bills. They got Brandon Joseph, a free safety from Northwestern. Very good range in the passing game. Then you got Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. Probably one of the... Because I could put Battle up there as well. One of the best tacklers, pure tacklers from the safety position in this draft. And then Bubba Bolden from Miami. You also got Lewis Sign in there as well from Georgia. Free safety. You got Ty- Tykey Smith, who just transferred from West Virginia to Georgia. Strong safety. Like, Georgia got a ridiculous secondary this. Darion Kendrick, who I didn't mention with the defensive backs for the corners... He's another one that's going to be mentioned from Georgia. Really, like we've talked about before, Georgia has a real shot to piss off Alabama this year. JT Daniels is hyped to no end. You've got good players on offense. George Pickens is back, which will be very fun to see. Then you've got players like we just mentioned on defense. Darion Kendrick. You've got, jeez, Louis Sign. You've got Tyke Smith. You've got baller Adam Anderson, who I talked about earlier. You've got some ballers on this team this is your year to mess up Alabama but Bryce Young's a baller too and Alabama craps out five stars so you better not miss Evan Neal Evan Neal's the best offensive prospect in this draft right now the reason I don't have Spencer Rattler up as the number one prospect on the offensive side is because his ceiling is super high yes but he needs to put some consistent play together to be number one okay does that make any sense Like, he has the potential to be number one, and by the time the draft comes around, he probably will be number one. But for right now, as we sit in August on 8-8, which is my soccer number, Evan Neal's number one, Rattler's at number two, and Sam's three. Sam Howell's number three. That's how I see it right now. And defensively, your top three defensive players, Kayvon Thibodeau, Derek Stanley, Kyle Hamilton, and those are the top three players in the draft. Defensively, this draft's loaded. We've mentioned a lot of really, really good defensive players in this draft there's going to be a lot of defensive players draft in the first round this year. A lot of them. This edge class is deep, deep edge class. We already talked about Thibodeau, Jackson, Clarftis, Harrison, Hutchison, Ingebert, Bonito, Sanders, Anderson, Cox. Got more players you can mention as well. Just go and look them up. There's, a, there's some uber talented defensive players in this draft, and I'm really excited to see how this goes range will be out by the time you're listening to the show so hope you go look at it loganblackmanshow.com if you want to go look at it go ahead make sure you go and follow me on all forms of social media so you don't miss a post and yeah that's all i've got for you today it would have been a l- little bit longer than 10 minutes like i said earlier but you know what it's good i feel better today than i did wednesday my head i could feel something was off on wednesday you could tell by the end of the show wednesday that something was a little off but today i'm fine We're going to do the mock draft on Wednesday. We're a day late. We're a day off. So we're going to push everything up a day. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. College football is almost back. The NFL is almost back. Congratulations to everybody that just made the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Exciting stuff. Great stuff. So yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. And I will see you all later. Peace.